0: Hi, I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening to the Town Hall Review Podcast, where we bring you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Our podcast is brought to you through partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's a piece that I trust you'll enjoy.
1: I wish I could go to these symposiums, The Role of Religion in Politics and the Role of Politics in Religion. Right. That. Just well, Jeff, uh, great to be with you. Yes, thanks. Thanks for joining me. I didn't do a proper introduction. But, you know, we're such old friends, we can just dispense. Oh, I know. We'll dispense I know. with the formalities. <laughs> yes, hello. How are you? Fine. Good. The role of religion in politics and the role of politics in religion. My gosh, this just sounded great. Yeah, you know, and it
0: was our first time partnering with. Uh you know, what I what I would call Brothers from Other Mothers, oh, which good. was uh, uh some uh two really great scholars at a institute called the Strauss Center for the Torah and Western Thought, which uh-huh. is based at Yeshiva University. Uh-huh. And their work um has really been about connecting uh, the Hebrew scriptures, to the American founding, and some of these very basic understandings of Western civilization being grounded, as we've talked about before, in, in Athens and Jerusalem. And uh, so this was an opportunity to uh, talk about a new book that the uh, that the director of the Strauss Center has has recently published on the impact of the Hebrew scriptures uh, on the American founders and, and the founding itself. And of course, we've got Dr Bill McClay here serving as our Reagan professor uh, this academic year, and so uh, with his important book out um, uh, land of Hope, he was another one of our panelists and we had uh, my friend monsi Alvarado, who's the executive director of the Beckett Fund uh, for religious liberty uh, was was also talking about more recent issues as it pertains to uh, religious liberty
1: so the folks over uh the folks over from the strauss center uh like rabbi Soloveitchik, they're they're there yeah. to put up the uh the judeo part of the judeo christian uh, values in society that we often talk about. We kind of just say it and move on and yeah. uh it 's worth taking a pause and and moment to to try and understand what that what that actually means and it 's wonderful that you have i i 'm you know, jealous again that you get Wilfred McClay there as, a, as, a, as, a, as an in-house scholar um, yeah. because he's just, you know, the historian we all need right now. Um, I remember starting to pay attention to some of this. I'm a bit uh, younger than you, Pete, so I, I'm always playing catch up probably. But I remember starting to pay a little bit of attention to this back when um, Richard Newhouse started sounding the alarms of a naked yeah. public square. Is this what we're talking yeah. about a little bit?
0: it is and of course you know what makes this discussion around the founding and the influence of the scriptures uh, the hebrew scriptures in this case so important to current events and, and issues of religious liberty is what Monsi alvarado said is that so much of current uh, litigation around religious liberty is is usually generated out of a an ignorance on the part of one of the parties uh, in a lawsuit around General religious practices, uh-huh. and as we've discussed, I know in our conversations, but certainly what Newhouse referenced is that we've we've lost uh, an awareness or an understanding of our own roots, and in so doing, uh, we're not really able to engage one another. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what Lincoln would call the the mystic cords of memory, right. um, which are such an important part of understanding who we are as Americans. If we don't know the fact that the Exodus story, obviously, of of the Old Testament was really a fundamental understanding that our founders had of what was going on during the revolution mm-hmm. and, and the founding of the country then you don't really have a full appreciation of the connection between our uh the, the principles of uh judeo-christianity and who we are as Americans.
1: Yeah, right. And there has been a project to remove that um yep. it, and and it, and it, I don't want to say it started with the courts but I believe in my own uh, reading of history that the courts have done a lot of damage to this, getting us really off on the wrong foot by misreading the founding when they first started taking up First Amendment religious, religion cases in the 1940s. Yeah. But uh, if you do go back and study what the founders had to say about this, this notion for example, uh, I think really the probably one of the most uh, important first cases people read on, on First Amendment stuff with religion is the Everson case, I think 1947, where I remember Hugo Black spoke of Thomas Jefferson speaking of a wall of separation between church and state. And then Hugo Black goes on to say that wall must remain high and impregnable, words right. Jefferson never used.
0: Right. Right, right.
1: And, that, and yeah, things and again, we've had to struggle so, against ever since. Go ahead, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah no, and and that's that's uh, not knowing our history yeah. um, or misremembering right. as, as the case yeah. may be in yeah. some instances, uh really does set us up for many of the, the problematic debates that were happening today. Mm-hmm. And that and that point that you referenced with with Black's understanding of this uh this wall uh between the two and not understanding that really uh, the founders, in many ways, didn't want uh, religion to be overwhelmed by government, right. not the other way around. Right. But right. understanding that uh, that religion's essential role in forming citizens and civil society—that's um, that's the kind of relationship that they that they discussed and and obviously wrote into the Constitution.
1: That's why I was so taken by the title of this conference. We're talking to. Uh, Pete Peterson from the Pepperdine School of Public Policy, the title being the role of religion in politics and the role of politics in religion, because that's really the crux of it, isn't it? That second
0: yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. Because again, this this back and forth and and how we've we've gotten. Um, Away from the founding notion of what the relationship between religion and politics is meant to be, you know, T- Tocqueville wrote so well that that religion is really one of America's great political mm-hmm. uh, forces. And of course, he didn't mean that in the sense that you know that we were going to be uh, necessarily have a, a Christian political party, right. but that faith and religious institutions were really so important in forming. Citizens who were self governing obviously we had this system of congregational churches, so we had yep. people that were actually working in self governance um, through their churches but But religion also plays a role in informing self governing citizens yep. uh, and the practice of essential civic virtues
1: and, and and some of our greatest reform movements in this country right I, uh, you know I, people say well i don 't want any religion in our politics. Sometimes they'll say no morality in politics, and I ask yeah. them how they think we got rid of slavery or had a civil rights movement in America. What would it be Re- without the church?
0: Exactly. I mean, who? Uh, it was Reverend Dr. Exactly. Martin Luther King. Right. Right? Right. <laughs> it wasn't a politician, right? but he certainly did influence politics from that. And uh, so many references in, in King's own writing and speeches to the Old Testament. You
1: um, you. I was trying to draw a line earlier in the show. Connecting the attack, if you will, in the Academy on Western civilization, mm-hmm. which really, you know, in earnest began not much more than a generation ago, the kind of time frame Ronald Reagan warned us about, right? Yeah. That leads what looks like to be a literal socialist leading a major political party, one of the two major political parties in America, with an attraction, particularly amongst the youth. This is, as I've been trying to communicate, you tell me what you think. This is kind of the natural culmination. You get rid of Madison, you get rid of Aristotle, you get rid of Aquinas, you get rid of Homer and Hegel and Shakespeare and all the great learnings we have uh, about, about the things you were talking about earlier from Athens and Jerusalem. This is where you end up, is it not?
0: yeah I think you do uh you know let's let's just pull this apart right so if we're going to take a swing at Western civilization and we're going to take a swing at uh really those two foundational civilizations in athens and and Jerusalem, why are they different, and why is that important? So okay. if you were to just take a swing as as many are that are on the more secularized left at Jerusalem The civic impact of that, and this is really why it's so important to the teaching of Western Civ and why it was so important for the Founders, is that understanding that we are and our rights are given to us by God, then there needs to be an understanding of who that God is. And and Jerusalem provides that basis. And so whether you're on the old testament side or the new yeah. or the old and new testament sure. side of that is not is not actually from a civic perspective as important as believing that there is. Right. Because as we've seen in all the great authoritarian regimes, the attacks really do start against people of faith. Right. And they do that very intentionally to disconnect them from a vertical allegiance to make it purely if you will horizontal. Mm-hmm. And and that really is so fundamental to how we structure societies, governments and the role of citizens if we if we don't make it possible for people to connect to the eternal.
1: Yeah. Nice nicely put. It's not a new thought. It's not a thought that comes down from some version of the heritage foundation of the family research council it comes from it comes not only from centuries of study but the likes of george washington right yeah. let us with yeah. caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion correct that's right
0: yeah no and again even for those who And this came up at the event that we did with uh, our friends at the Strauss Center. Even if we were, as McClay said, Dr. McClay said, even if we were to claim that some of our founders were were deists and not maybe, quote-unquote, true people of faith, Mm -hmm. they at least understood this very important role that faith plays, especially in democratic societies.
1: Right. And in socialist societies, you're quite right. That's where they usually start attacking Indeed, we have to take seriously the Marxist notion that uh, religion is the opiate of the masses. Because then those societies that took that seriously treated the religious, the faith, uh, the faith believers, the way most societies would treat—I don't know what—drug cartels, drug dealers. Right. right. That's that's what it right. leads to. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then of course if everything is materialistic, then it really is up to whoever is in power's uh decision on who gets rights and who doesn't and right. even if you want to appeal to some sort of broader kind of humanistic virtue, that can always change. That- uh, what doesn't change if we're to ground ourselves in this duality between Athens and Jerusalem is is understanding that there is a, a, a timeless force mm-hmm. of some sort mm-hmm. that has judging power and uh, and cares very deeply about the decisions that we make here on Earth and 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 holds our leaders accountable to that
1: reliable standards of right and wrong truth right what we used to call truth well Pete I um. I love these conversations. I do regret I'm not still in grad school. I'd be at yours. <laughs> I could speak to you for hours, but we I, I must delay looked. our gratification. <laughs> Thank you so much for putting on, this, um, putting on this conference. Thanks for sharing it with us.
0: Well, great, Seth. And the videos are up, by the way, on, on our YouTube channel Fantastic. at SPP.
1: So. Perfect. Perfect. School of Public Policy, YouTube. Perfect. That's it. I love it. We can all go back to school. Pete, thanks for teaching us. You're the teacher we need. Thanks so much, Seth. God bless
0: you. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today.
1: This is Albert Mogler for townhall.com. The news coming out of Switzerland should have our attention, where 63% of voters decided to criminalize public homophobia. Now, what we're looking at is a species of hate speech legislation, a law criminalizing certain speech. In an intellectually dishonest move, the Swiss government authorities assured voters that even though this is a curtailment of the freedom of speech, it is not actually a curtailment of free speech. Yes, it's a contradictory argument, but it also points to the very heart of the problem with hate speech legislation. In fact, on the other side of this vast sexual and moral revolution, a traditional defense of biblical Christianity could well now be defined as a criminal act in Switzerland. Any exemptions we see will not last long because of the logic of this legislation, and that is to declare that anything short of the total public comprehensive embrace of the LGBTQ movement is a form of hatred. I'm Albert Mueller. ADF, fighting for those whose liberties are being violated.